1: Hello and welcome to the week seven expert round table. I use the term expert very loosely, and I also use the term round table very loosely. It is a square table, and it is myself and the sharpest hippie in DFS, JM to win. JM, what's going on?
2: I got my boy band haircut, I got my cardigan, <laughs> feeling like an adult. Adam's got his backwards hat and his chest hair. Oh, we're set to go, we're in good shape.
1: I mean, the deeper the V, the better. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I look go to stores and I'm like, do you have any V-necks? And they're like, yeah. And then I look at them and these aren't deep Vs. I need all the way deep
2: v. Like belly button, yeah. belly button Vs. Yeah, exactly. I wish you were going to be in Nashville for the uh, Rotor Grinders party. I'd bring you a package of belly button Vs.
1: Me too, man. Uh, I really wish I could. I, I don't know what's happened to my life. I had an offer to get four seats at the Sixers tonight. Had to pass it up. Uh, obviously offered to go to the party in Nashville, had to pass that up, uh, passing on a bachelor party, all in the name of of football, JM, all in the name of of fantasy football. It seems crazy.
2: <laughs> Join the club, man.
1: Um, all right, when I first looked at this slate on DK for week seven, I was like, oh, this is super tight. We're going to have to start doing crazy things like we did in week five. But the more that I kind of get into it, I'm not sure it's going to have to be like that. I, I will say this, it is an injury laden slate I think we're gonna have to be on our toes Sunday morning it's not a type of situation where I'd be comfortable at all not being in front of my computer on Sunday morning we have Leonard Fournette and we have Derek uh DeMarco Murray obviously as the big news then we have a bunch of smaller news beyond that um Keenan Allen uh Jason McCourty uh, a couple other injuries too that we'll touch on as we go here Uh, what is your impression of the week seven slate on DK
2: yeah, I wrote that down when we were prepping um, right before we went on air. Jason McCordy, Patrick Peterson makes a difference in the way the slate shakes out. Brandon he's Marshall right. for the – Brandon Marshall for the well, – But we need to see. I mean, he missed 42% of the snaps last week. If we get some news that he's going to be off the field quite a bit again, that makes a difference. Brandon Marshall for the Broncos. Jordan Matthews, Marco Murray, Delaney Walker, Leonard Fournette, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, all of these impact the way that the slate – Will play out. I told you before we came on air, my wife is running a 10 K on Sunday morning, her first 10 K. So I've promised to be there. So I'm going to be cutting down, uh, not throwing a bunch of teams in the Millimaker this week, going with two or three main teams that will be easy enough to change around. Um, if you will not be at your computer Sunday morning, you should definitely have a contingency plan in place or go limited entries, uh, knowing what you're going to pivot to, because there's a lot that we won't know until right before kickoff.
1: Or option C, just tell your wife to have a nice run and you, uh, stay behind.
2: It's always good to take life advice from Adam Levitan. I would (laughs) highly recommend just listening to anything Adam says about how to handle life.
1: It's really crazy. I, I give a lot of life advice on my podcast and most of it is joking, but, um, you know, some people have like, like, emailed me and been like, man, I really love your life advice. Uh, a podcast about life, which is, believe me, sounds insane to me, but uh, it's great fun. Um, all right, we better get into it here. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll start at the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking at all, but for me, the biggest question is Hunley versus Tyrod Taylor. Uh, is that the way you see it? And if that is the way you see it, uh, who do you prefer between the two?
2: Yeah, it's not. That's not even a question for me. You have Hundley going against a Saints defense that, even though they are better than um, they've been in the past, better than the Buccaneers. You have Drew Brees on the other side. He's going to put up points. Hundley's going to have to pass the ball. Uh, the other option is Tyrod Taylor on one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL, minus Charles Clay, possibly minus Jordan Matthews. For me, it's that's not even a discussion. Uh, it's closer for me with C.J. Bethard and uh, Brett Hunley, I, I still like Hunley more, but that's a closer discussion for me than Tyrod Taylor. Um, obviously, Adam, you are attached to Tyrod. You gave him the nickname Tygod. You're a long time ago. In that, that like boat years permanently. Ago. So um, I understand that discussion. I, I know a lot of people are asking that. There's nothing that, uh, like there's no reason I could come up with that, that Tyrod would be a better on-paper play on paper play than Hundley. Uh, do you have any reasons you could give for that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, rushing expectation, although Hundley is a sick athlete, I don't think he has the same rushing expectation in the preseason. He hasn't even um, showed anywhere near the rushing ability that Tyrod has. And we have a pretty big sample of Hunley in the preseason. It's 299 snaps, almost six games worth. Uh, Hundley is a sick athlete for sure. I don't think he uh, looks to run as much as Tyrod. And um, I don't think he's as like athletic as Tyrod in terms of uh, pure running and like making guys miss um, the other argument you can make is that this Bucks defense which will be getting Quan Alexander back but I mean they've been absolutely buried by um, by pass games and specifically by wide receivers and quarterbacks I mean they've given up the most uh, fantasy points to wide receivers despite facing just a, an awful group uh, so far this season we saw a uh, grandpa Carson Palmer just shred them last week as well so uh, yeah I think the same, I agree with you, the Saints defense is like not one that I fear, but I think Cam Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore and Ken Crawley and Kenny Vaccaro are at least um, present a bigger challenge than the Bucks' defense does. Um, I guess you disagree there.
2: No, I, I mean, I agree. I'll come back, though, with another counterpoint. I, it, you can talk about preseason, hashtag preseason, uh, for all the Levitan fans out there. And you're talking about... Running the Aaron Rodgers offense. Hunley and Mike McCarthy obviously sat down this week and came up with an offense that better suits Hunley. Uh Hunley has a lot of issues with pressure. He doesn't feel pressure well. He has some inaccuracy inaccuracy issues, trouble progressing through his read. So I expect Mike McCarthy, for all his flaws, he's a good offensive coach. I expect him to come up with a game plan that puts uh, a lot of you know read run pass options in there. Um, a lot of pocket movement. A lot of things that get Hundley on the move and you know cut things down to maybe half the field. Give him one or two reads to choose between, and allow him to take off if those reads are covered. I think that's going to simplify things for him. There's no reason for them to make him progress through his reads the way that they would expect Aaron Rodgers to. That's not his strength. So I just think that they'll tailor tailor the game plan to his strength. I think that he's going to have to throw the ball. Uh, and I just think that it's a good spot for him. So I like him more than Tyrod. I'm not against Tyrod, but um, it's not really that much of a discussion for me.
1: Um, talk to me about Bethard because I've been so locked on these two, Tyrod and Hunley, that I didn't even look too hard at Bethard. I do think that he's interesting. I certainly love this spot for Kittle and I think for Garcon too. We've seen the total in this game go up a point and a half. It's now the highest total game on the slate at 48 and a half. So talk to me about Beathard and how he compares to Tyrod and Hunley for you.
2: Yeah, Bethard has similar issues, a uh, hard time feeling pressure, hard time progressing through reads. The good thing about Bethard this week is Kyle Shanahan offense is a well-schemed offense. The Cowboys are primarily zone defense that aims to filter targets in the middle of the field. So in a tougher matchup against a team that disguises a lot more of their coverages, Bethard is at risk of throwing three or four interceptions, having a bad game. But I think against the pretty vanilla Cowboys defense that Rod Marinelli has to run with this unit, we should see them able to scheme a lot of guys into open areas of the field and give Beathard a lot of uh, you know one-two read plays that he can hit an open guy who's just sitting there in a soft spot in the zone. So I just think that the matchup sets up well for Beathard. The 49ers are going to have to make a shift They're I think the fourth pass, pass heaviest team in the NFL, I think that that will change. I think they'll stick to the run a little bit more Cowboys can be attacked on the ground and through the air, but this game still sets up well for Beathard. We we expect the Cowboys to put up points. The 49ers are going to have to pass at some point. So 30-plus pass attempts in a well-schemed offense against a beatable defense, I like that as well. It's not where I'm going in cash games, but I think there's a lot of upside in tournaments, and I think that we can get them at a, a very small fraction of the ownership of these other guys.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the ownership will be down low in Hunley and Beathard and uh, Tyrod. So by paying up, uh, we can certainly start to be a bit more contrarian. I think if you go all the way up to Drew Brees, and I'm not sure I want to do that, but if you go all the way up to Drew Brees, you'll get him uh, really low owned. But let's go to the 6K range because I think there's some meat on the bone here. Um, I think the matchup that stands out most is obviously Marcus Mariota, who is facing the league's worst pass defense, who might be without PFF's number one corner, Jason McCordy. Um, the uh, Browns have been up the most passing touchdowns. They're like so bad in every category. Mariota is so good in every efficiency category. I would also note that Mariota uh, escaped last week without setbacks. He didn't move out of the pocket like at all on Monday night, if you watch the game, and uh, finished with zero rushing yards. Yet now he packs in full and he expects to be way more mobile uh, against the Browns. So, uh mariotta at 6900 is pricier than i think we want to spend but you can't argue with the matchup right
2: yeah i have uh actually several guys highlighted in tournaments outside of the the guys we've talked about Mariota, for all the reasons you said uh really nothing to add there russell wilson just as a guy with enormous upside he's become completely unpredictable as far as volume as far as effectiveness there's like no matter how deep you dig, there's nothing that's going to enable you to say what his usage is going to be or whether or not he'll have a good game, but the upside's there. He's definitely worthwhile in tournaments. Uh, Dak Prescott is an excellent play against just a terrible San Francisco pass defense. And a couple guys that are going to go severely overlooked are uh, Deshaun Kaiser, who is down in that same price range as the other two guys. Excellent matchup. We've seen his upside. I mean, He had a horrible game against the Ravens and was the Bengals. Uh, Really tough pass defenses and had a good game against a good Steelers pass defense um, and a good game against Indianapolis. So, like, Kaiser has been awful. The interceptions are obscene, but it wouldn't surprise me if he puts up 25 points against a really bad pass defense. Uh, Jared Goff is the other one against a uh, team in the Cardinals that funnels action to the air. Jared Goff is uh, top 10 in most quarterback metrics as far as efficiency, it's just that they're not throwing a ton. So if they throw a little bit more this week, I think he is a good play as well in tournaments.
1: Yeah, Dak, I mean, the, the problem with Dak and Des, they're both awesome plays, but DraftKings got like crazy with the adjustment on San Francisco. I mean, Dak is 7,300 and, and Des is 7,800, it's so wild. Um, yeah, totally agree on Dak, totally agree on russ i think coming out of a buy russ has full set of weapons like pro size is questionable but i mean lockett should be healthy p rich is healthy graham is healthy baldwin's obviously healthy and if he gets pro size too he has a lot of weapons against the defense that uh, i'm not sold as like turn the corner just because they played well against the broncos on sunday night you know what i mean like one game's not going to be enough for me to prove it on the giants um the only guy you didn't mention is drew Brees. um i think you know like I'm not going to say Drew Brees is a bad play. I played Drew Brees in cash last week. Like, the game script was so absurd, or the game flow, I should say. Like, three, anytime your defense scores three touchdowns, your quarterback's not going to have a good game. There's just no need for it. So Brees only had to complete 20 passes. If we think Brett is going to play well, which I think we both uh, think that he will, Drew Brees is likely going to have to play well. Two, the Packers going to get Kevin King back, might get Devon House back, but Morgan Burnett, their safety, is still out. So what do you think about paying up to be contrarian on Brees?
2: Yeah, uh, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels have been really stout in the middle for the Packers stopping the run as well. So while I like Ingram this week, we'll get to that, uh, I do think that the the Saints are going to have to throw the ball. So I don't make a habit of paying up for Breeze on the road, especially when there are a bunch of 5K quarterbacks that we like. Uh, I don't think we can justify going there in cash. I'm sure you agree with that. But, yeah, if you're going to talk about a guy who could get you – 30 points and is going to be low owned. You know, another guy that you could pay up to be contrarian is Cam Newton. Really bad matchup against the Bears. Uh defense that's played well, but when Cam's running, he has 26 rush attempts his last three games compared to 14 his first three games. So when Cam's running like this, there's 30-point upside in any matchup there as well. I mean, there's several places that we can go paying up. Uh Mariota, Breeze, Cam, any of these guys could post 30 points and should be lower owned than these cheaper guys.
1: All right, let's move to running back because I think one of the biggest decisions on the slate is how to handle LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I assume you think he's an absolute smash play. Uh, Everybody is talking about LaShawn McCoy. His ownership is going to be out of hand. I think in tournaments, we'll see it around 40%. And as you go up in stakes, I think uh, it'll be higher than that. Um, And in cash, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is just going to be massively owned. Um, How do you handle LaShawn McCoy? Um, in tournaments, knowing he's going to be this high on.
2: So, here's it's tough for me. This is kind of like Ezekiel Elliott. I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is a very good play this week, but not for the reasons that everyone thinks. Um, so, it makes me want to fade him because I feel that everyone's thinking here is flawed. Um, this Rick Dennison zone blocking scheme has not meshed well with LaShawn McCoy, has not meshed well. With the offensive line, they're bottom five in the NFL in most important run game metrics. I mean, there's nothing here that says we should expect them to be more effective than they've been against a Buccaneers defense that looked bad last week. But up until last week, they were top five against the run uh, before Adrian Peterson smashed them. So there are a lot of reasons to expect a disappointing outing. Um, with that said, the Buffalo Bills with their long layoff uh some reports have leaked out that they've kind of made adjustments to their mm-hmm. rushing attack and gone back to things that they're a little more comfortable with. So it's for that reason. And then obviously the targets, which is another thing that people are on it's for those reasons that I like him. Um, not because of, you know, whatever everybody else is talking about um, McCoy still has two carries inside the five yard line this year compared to three from Mike Tolbert. So I don't think that, you know, we're locked into some 25, 30 point game, but with the receptions, and the lack of weapons on the bills i think that the floor is what 18 points i mean that'd be a maybe 16 points would be a disappointing game so i'm totally fine going there he's underpriced for what we expect from him i'm fine going there and differentiating elsewhere um i don't know what are your thoughts there
1: yeah i agree the matchup isn't as good as everybody thinks and especially with Quan alexander back for the bucks and they got levante david back last week but you have a guy who's 7,400, really talented guy who's going to touch the ball 23 times, who that's what he's done on average this season, who the team comes out of their by saying, uh, we're going back to what worked last year when he averaged 5.4 yards per carry, as opposed to this year. And, and we're going to focus on getting LeSean going in this game. So it's just a really good spot. Home favorite, obviously, is is kind of the spot that we want to attack. So. I don't know, man. It would be, a, it'd be an interesting fade. I certainly, anytime a guy's going to be 40-plus percent owned in the NFL in tournaments, there's always going to be merit to fade him, um, not just for the injury risk, but just because it's an unpredictable game. And like you said, Mike Tolbert could end up with two touchdowns and Tyrod could run one in. Um, so, yeah, I think there's merit to fading GPPs, but, I mean, I think for sure he's the best play uh, on the board and ownership is going to reflect that. Um, let's move to the injury situations here. A couple if-thens. Uh, if Demarco Murray is ruled out, is Derrick Henry a lock for you at fifty five hundred?
2: No, and I want to get your take on him, and then I'll I'll give mine.
1: Um, yeah, so the backups will be like David Fluellen and Khalif Mohammed. Um, I think that the Colts are not as going to match up as people have said. Um, I think we've talked about hear before how the interior of their defensive line is really strong and obviously that's where Derrick Henry likes to run um he is a unique talent from like a size speed athleticism perspective I, I would not want to I probably would not be um on board with fading Derrick Henry in cash given a 20 plus po- uh, touch projection um Oh, he's playing the Browns, I'm sorry. But the Browns also the run defense, uh, similar to the Colts, which we'll talk about. I have the Chris Ivory Leonard Fournette thing on my mind. But anyways, I don't think I would be fading uh, Derek Henry and Cash at 5,500.
2: So I'm still struggling with it. Uh, two reasons. One, Browns are top three run defense. Obviously, the Titans want to run the ball. They're a top five run offense. In terms of adjusted line yards, in terms of uh, per play effectiveness,
1: yeah. one are the best good. offensive lines in the league, for sure.
2: Yeah, a very good run offense. So, I, I mean, that balances out. You know, it's still a very tough matchup, but it balances out. The bigger thing for me is Derrick Henry has two targets in six games. I mean, he showed last year he can catch the ball. I think it was his first game. He had that long uh, screenplay that went for a touchdown. It's not like this dude can't catch the ball, but DeMarco Murray has kind of become their third down back. So, I think even if Murray plays, He'll be limited to third downs. I think we see Derrick Henry on first and second, but we're still on DraftKings on PPR scoring, taking a a guy for 20 carries and one, one catch, maybe zero catches. So that's a little tough. Like, will I end up with him? Maybe. Is he somebody that I'm just putting on my roster and moving on? Absolutely not. Um, So I think that the, there's a lot of arguments to be made for him having a good game. There's also a chance he has 90 yards, no touchdowns, no catches and, and that's it. Like that wouldn't surprise me, would it? Surprise you?
1: Um, I don't think that his re- his receiving um, outlook is as bad as you think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would have to. Th- I would have to look more at it and think more about it. But I don't know. I mean, we we went down this road like three weeks ago. That's why I've kind of been hesitant to be like go too deep into De- into Derrick Henry because like three weeks ago they had the same thing with DeMarco Murray. He ended up playing, and I thought he'd only be up in like emergency situation. He ended up playing like a majority of snaps. So uh, who knows what DeMarco Murray? I have no idea what the Titans are doing. He's tweaked his hamstring three times since August. It's absurd. Uh, Let's move on to the Jaguars one. If uh, Leonard Fournette is ruled out, which he says he's going to play. He didn't practice at all this week. But if Leonard Fournette is ruled out, uh, is Chris Ivory, who I believe caught nine balls or something insane last week, uh, is Chris Ivory at 4,800 a lock for you against the Colts?
2: Yes. Uh, if, If Fournette's out... I will lock Ivory in right away, or at least that's my plan right now. Um, Ivory has this reputation as a guy who doesn't catch passes because he wasn't used that way with the Saints and Jets, but he's caught 71% of his career targets um, has burst in the open field, similar runner to Fournette, obviously not as good. And so, yes, the Colts, the Colts run defense is good. Not as good as the Browns run defense. The, um, Jaguars, basically just their the certainty that they're going to run the ball is so high because unlike the Titans who can throw with Mariota, the Jags have no interest in throwing unless they fall behind. So I think Ivory, you're locked into four or five catches and 20 carries and goal line work, um, which is similar to what we have with Henry, except minus the catches locked in. So I'm I feel a lot better about Ivory than Henry. Uh, I think Henry's a better player, but just all things considered, I feel better about Ivory this week. Uh, though, like you said, Fournette is you know, saying he's going to play, even though he hasn't practiced all week. If Fournette plays, I still like Ivory in tournaments because there's a chance that Ivory is a guy who sees 20-plus touches. But uh, Ivory is going in in cash games for me right away if Fournette's out.
1: Yeah, I would note that TJ Yeldon has been a healthy scratch the last few weeks. And if Fournette is out, Yeldon will be up and I think could take some third down work. So I think saying that Ivory has a floor of four to five catches is probably um, a little bit high for me, uh, given that Yeldon has been a third down back for them in the past. Um, go ahead. No, I
2: was just going to say, I mean, uh, that's about what Fournette has been seeing. So even if Ivory has that, you know, first two downs role, it, they're, they want to run the ball 35 times. Um, so even if even if Yeldon gets 10 touches himself, there's a lot of work there for Ivory.
1: All right, let's move to Mark Ingram. Obviously, um, I knew your week was in trouble last week when you said that Mark Ingram had a similar floor to Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> I knew that you were headed down a bad path. Uh, now Mark Ingram has gone up $2,600 to 6,700. Now he is on the road. Uh, how do we feel about the price jump on Mark Ingram? Is he still worth it?
2: To be fair, I had Ingram everywhere. It was Jarek McKinnon and Buck Allen, uh, that decision that killed me. Uh, Ingram, yeah, I, I mean, he's still underpriced, I think, just for usage. He'll probably get 20 touches. We know that he's locked into a handful of targets each game. So I think that you can pay for him. He's not a guy who jumps out to me as a must play. I think that It wouldn't surprise me if he puts up 13 or 14 points. It wouldn't surprise me if he puts up 25. So I think that's about his range. Um, I think Alvin Kamara is useful as well. They want to get him about 12 to 16 touches per game. And if most of those come through the air, which is likelier this week, as they probably won't score three defensive touchdowns, then there's a lot of upside there as well.
1: Yeah, so the Saints get rid of Adrian Peterson and Alvin Kamara the next game sets a season low in uh, catches and sets a season low in snap rate. And it's only because the game got so absurdly out of hand with the defensive touchdowns, right? I think they had bigger plans for Kamara. So if they take a pass-heavy approach or if Hundley plays really well and they need to be pass-heavy, I think that Kamara uh, makes a lot of sense. And I don't mind pairing Drew brees with Kamara um, or playing Kamara as part of game stacks with the Packers and hope that it turns into a shootout because although Mark Ingram is an awesome pass catcher I think an underrated pass catcher uh, Kamara is like lining up out wide and doing all kinds of really aggressive things in the pass game so uh, definitely like Alvin Kamara for sure I think Ingram is okay I kind of agree with you he's not somebody that I'm like I have to jam him in at 6700 whatsoever especially on the road Um, The game script was just so perfect for Mark Ingram. I believe he's got like 30 touches or something. was most in three years or something crazy um, like that. Um, Staying in that kind of mid-range, we have some guys that I've gotten questions about. Um, Carlos Hyde, who I think we can agree has a reasonable matchup, is playing at home in a likely high-scoring game. The problem is we never know when he's going to be benched for Matt Breda. I've also gotten questions about Jordan Howard, who had 36 carries in the overtime game last week. I would note no Luke Kuechly for the Panthers. And then we have Melvin Gordon, who has seen 20 targets the last two weeks, home against the Broncos. Um, I would note Brandon Oliver uh, is expected back for the Chargers. If that makes a difference, I am not quite certain. So what do you think about that kind of mid-range at running back?
2: So thoughts on – who's the first guy you mentioned? Hyde. Hyde. Uh I, I have such a hard time going to Hyde because two weeks ago that was he was yeah. on my main team. Disaster. And, yeah. And yeah, disaster. But uh, you know, what I said last week was I said in my article that Hyde was the kind of guy who no one was gonna roster and he still had 25 point upside. So he should see a little more ownership traction this week, but I still think you get him under six, seven percent. And again, just a ton of upside. Um he leads the NFL in carries inside the five yard line by a, a pretty decent margin. In fact, he has 10 next most guy has eight. A couple of guys have seven. Everybody else in the NFL is below that. So a lot of upside there. Um, and Melvin Gordon, I think even if, if Brandon Marshall is out, it, it's not really a guy that I want to go to. Uh, I don't think that he'll see that many targets with Brandon Oliver back in. I could be wrong on that but yeah I mean I, even after they got smashed last week the Broncos ranked first in DVOA first in yards allowed per carry so it's not just a, a smash spot for Melvin Gordon I'm fine fading him uh, last week David Mayo actually played really well in place of Luke Keekley so I don't know that that makes a huge difference for Jordan Howard I mean Keekley is a is a game changer but it's not like a just some scrub is stepping in there in place of Keekley So Jordan Howard, I think we see him at 25 plus carries again, unless this game gets out of hand, which with this game being in Chicago, Bears have a good defense. I don't expect to happen. You know, limited pass game involvement and, you know, the effectiveness of those carries is in question. So he could have a good game. He could also have a very disappointing game in that same game. uh, Christian McCaffrey, if Mm -hmm. Kelvin Benjamin misses, Jonathan Stewart has just been completely ineffective. McCaffrey's been ineffective between the tackles, but he's a guy who could also have a big game through the air. I think he'll go overlooked.
1: Yeah, I wrote about McCaffrey today. I mean, averaging over six catches per game, you can start comparing him to wide receivers in the 6K range, and he's going to compare reasonably. Um, he also has a bunch of red uh, red zone targets and targets inside the 10-yard line. And I would say that also that a lot of the Bears linebackers are hurt um, slash out already. So I definitely, I think, a good spot for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, One other thing we didn't mention on Carlos Hyde, Sean Lee will be back and all of the Cowboys linebackers I think are healthy for the first time all season. So um, maybe some improvement there for the linebacking core uh, for the Cowboys. Um, Let's go to the top range now, which I think is interesting, because it's uh, actually at first I thought it'd be hard to get there. But I do think that in, you know, relatively balanced line of constructions, you can still get one of Zeke or Le'Veon Bell at 9K and 9100 respectively, um, I think that they will be relatively uh, higher owned than maybe I initially thought, especially if we can get Derrick Henry or Chris Ivory in there as kind of a bit of a salary saver. So uh, do you think that it's worth in a vacuum paying up for Zeke and or Le'Veon up in the 9K range?
2: Yeah, both guys have a tough matchup. The Bengals allow a lot of receptions to running backs. I believe they're top five in the NFL. So that helps Bell a ton. Uh, It's interesting. We can look at past matchups to see how the Bengals handle Antonio Brown. We can't really do that for Bell because he's missed three of the last five games between these two teams. Um, I think just with, with usage and receptions, Bell is very much in play he always has that 30 plus point upside. Uh, I think the Cowboys get Zeke heavily involved this week with the suspension looming. That gets a little narrative streety, but I mean, they've, they're going to give him 20 plus carries. He's seen five targets in, I believe uh, three or four games this year. 49ers allow tons of receptions to the running back position. So I like both those guys a lot. I don't really have a read on which I like more than the other. What about you?
1: I always feel better about Le'Veon, especially considering he's playing at home. Um, I always feel better about Le'Veon just because you're getting a guy who can legit catch 10 passes in a game. Like, no matter what happens with the game script, like, I know Zeke has been more involved in the past game, but like, we saw what happened when they went to Denver. Maybe I'm scarred on Zeke and I'm scarred on on Denver forever after that egregious mistake. But like, um, yeah, I think I pretty easily prefer Le'Veon there at just $100 more. Um, a couple guys we didn't talk about: Todd Gurley uh, against Arizona, tough matchup. But Todd Gurley still has that three down plus goal line role. Um, and then Duke Johnson too. Deshaun Kaiser showed a tendency to throw more to Duke Johnson, and quite frankly, like the Browns not getting the ball to Duke Johnson is just egregious coaching. Like he is the only one on their team capable of making big plays. So what do you think about Gurley and Duke and anybody anybody else off the board at the running back position?
2: Do you think that coaches can get into slumps?
1: <laughs> I mean, I,
2: I genuinely, I've been wondering that this year because Hugh Jackson was such a great coach. He was the guy that we talked about frequently as somebody who was a, a talent maximizer. And I just feel like there have been a lot of things that like oh, look at what Sean McVay is doing on the Rams and then think how would Sean McVay uh, set up this Cleveland offense with the pieces that they have. And he would be a lot more creative and a lot more successful than Hugh Jackson's been. So, um, yeah, it's tough to trust the Browns right now. I hadn't really thought much about Duke Johnson. Um, the other guys that I had listed were, yeah, Todd Gurley, just kind of like Melvin Gordon last week, the kind of guy who could be two, three, 4% owned and still put up 30 points just because of usage. Not a great matchup, but the usage should be there. Uh, in that same game, Adrian Peterson. The Rams stopped the pass. I I actually really think that the Cardinals are going to tailor things a little bit more to the run this week. Uh, If we're going to be willing to go to Derek Henry at huge ownership and a guy who's not catching passes, I think we should also be willing in tournaments to go to Adrian Peterson, who, especially in higher dollar tournaments, it just seems like such a non-sharp player that I think he'll be really low owned and still maintains a lot of upside. Um, And then Joe Mixon I mean, this is the kind of week that it is. It's like there's nothing that I really love, but there's a lot that I like. It makes it a really tough week. Um, Joe Mixon, 5K, and he's going to see 19-plus touches against a Steelers defense that is much easier to attack on the ground than through the air. So I think Joe Mixon's an excellent play. Um, I probably won't go to Marlon Mack, coach speak with him, getting more touches. I'll have to see it first. And then a lot of people have asked about Jay Ajayi. I'm not as high on him again. I'd prefer guys who catch passes. and I don't think that the Jets' defense is a pushover. But Ajay is in play as well. I mean, we've covered like 12 or 14 running backs. And I think that they're all like – any of them could viably put up 20 points. So it's a weird week um, in that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, we need to move on. We're running behind here. But I will say comparing a like 30 30- – four-year-old Adrian Peterson to a 23-year-old or 24-year-old horse like Derrick Henry is in a slap in the face. I will not be rostering Adrian Peterson. Uh, I'd rather lose than, than play Adrian Peterson off of a big game um, and now getting the price jump and now uh, going to London. Like his old crickety legs are going to like cramp up on the way to London, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I'm off Adrian Peterson, but good luck to everybody who plays him, which I'm sure will be a lot of people. Um Let's move to wide receiver. Uh, You know, I don't think there's necessarily going to be chalk play at wide receiver. I don't think I have anybody projected over 20%. Um, At wide receiver, it's just not a great week for the position. I think in my model, like nobody's getting a good grade whatsoever. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. Um, I guess we can start at the top with Antonio Brown, who has really struggled against Cincinnati in their last four regular season meetings. Uh, Like really struggled like over under 100 yards every time only one touchdown and then AJ Green Who I don't think has a great matchup already burns and Joe Hayden. I know people want to pick on Joe Hayden all the time I still think he's uh, a talented guy when right. So uh, how do you feel about getting up to AJ Green and Antonio Brown?
2: Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. I mean, it's just a really there's nobody who's actually a good play Uh, Michael Thomas is the closest. I know that you're the ownership guru, so I'll defer to you there. He's the guy that seems the likeliest to get over 20%. Uh,
1: Uh, That would really surprise me considering he was 15% last week in a really good matchup at home and burned everybody who rostered him, you know?
2: Yeah. uh, Well, on, on that note, his worst game before last week was four catches for 40 yards uh, so that's an eight point floor. I mean, that last week was an outlier. I think that we can, you can pencil him in for eight points every week. If he has a bad game, uh, he's seen double digit targets in 60% of his career starts. So I think that he's an excellent play uh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. So here's the tough thing. Like we want to talk about AJ green. The Steelers have been one of the best past defenses in football, right? But they faced Deshaun Kaiser case Keenum, Mike Glennon, Joe Flacco. Blake Bortles, and Alex Smith. So how much do we know um, about the Steelers' pass defense? It's weird to be in week seven and know this little about a pass defense. The one thing we know is the Steelers have an excellent pass rush and the Bengals have a really bad offensive line. They've had to adjust their entire offense to account for that offensive line. So yeah, I mean, I, I could see A.J. Green having a big game. I'd have a hard time going there. You know, I try not to let ownership be the first thing I think about. I want to take the good plays, but when I don't know if a guy's a good play, uh, it's it's tough if he's going to be, you know, the highest owned wide receiver to get excited about it. With that said, there's nothing else that I'm that pumped about paying up for. You brought up before the show uh, and then earlier in the show and then in your articles this week, the price jump for Des Bryant, you know, 7,800. If you're going to get him at 7,800 compared to AJ Green at 83, if so many more reliable targets for Green, so even in a tougher matchup, I, I think green's a little bit of a better play. Oh yeah. Um, Mike Evans, I, I posted on Twitter this week, one of like three tweets uh, trying to appease Adam. The route tree for Mike Evans has been kind of a mess this year. He ranks, uh, I think seventh in the NFL in targets per game, but 26th in percentage share of team air yards. He's running a lot of underneath routes. So, I know AJ Green smashed against the Bills, but Mike Evans is running a completely different route tree than AJ Green, who's top three in percentage share of team air yards. So, yeah, I mean, just up here in the the high end of the price range, there's not a lot to to love. Um, there's not a lot to love when we pay down either. I mean, there's guys that we can talk about, but not somebody that's just a smash spot for 20 points. So it's hard to figure out where to go at wide receiver.
1: Uh, one note on Mike Evans, Jameis Winston has a sprained AC joint in his throwing arm. He's is going to play, but they are concerned that his velocity will be down, and that would concern me uh, on Mike Evans, just in case he starts running a different route tree and, and he does get down the field. I still think Mike Evans at 7,600 is just from a talent perspective way too cheap. So uh, he's somebody that's for sure on my radar, at least for tournaments. Um, in the mid-range, I, I think, gosh, you know, like, would you play Jordy Nelson at 6,800 in this spot if Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback? Yes, right?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: So now we're talking about Brett Hundley. I think we both like Brett Hundley. Like, talk to me about Jordy and Devante and how you think they'll be affected by Hundley.
2: Yeah, Jordy kicked into the slot about 30% of the time last week after Rodgers went down. Jordy saw nine targets from Hundley. Devante Adams saw 10. Uh, we know that Ken Crawley and Marshawn Lattimore are playing really good defense on the outside for the Saints. So I think that affects Devontae Adams more than it affects Jordy. I think that Devontae with the cheaper price tag will also draw more ownership. So I could see Jordy in tournaments. It's not something that you're going to feel good about. It's something that could yield six or seven points. These guys are so touchdown dependent for their production so that changes with with Rodgers out. I mean, the extreme efficiency this offense has near the goal line is not a guarantee, but I think that Jordy's a guy in tournaments who could still put up 20-plus points. I think I've heard people talk in this price range about Adam Thielen. I'm not interested in him against the Ravens, uh, even with Steph Diggs out again. Um, Jarvis Landry's interesting with Devontae Parker out. Jarvis Landry's seen uh, 10 to 14 targets every game in his career with – davante parker out so you know what he's averaging listen to this he's averaging 7.1 yards per catch yeah golden tate's averaging 10.1 yards per catch which ranks 100th in the nfl that's so good that's how far behind jarvis landry is so upside is a question mark but i think that the floor is really nice um yeah i mean devin punches if if kelvin benjamin's out he's seen eight plus targets every game not a great matchup His price is higher than I want to pay, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of ugliness in here.
1: Um, totally agree on Adam Thielen. I think people are going to play Adam Thielen. He went up in price by 700 and his matchup just got so much tougher. I mean, last week was so perfect with Kevin King and house and Burnett out and, um, yeah, so much tougher now against Baltimore. Um, yeah, you skipped over one guy that's on my list in the 6K range, and that's Doug Baldwin. He has not seen a reliable volume of targets, but he will go into the slot and face Dominic Rogers cromarty a decent amount. But he'll move around and probably see some Eli Apple too. Um, obviously, see some Genoris when he's on the outside. So if you think Russ Wilson and the Seahawks are going to play well, I would think that uh, Doug Baldwin at 6,600 is certainly in play. Um, I think the 5K range, though, is where we find some more reliable stuff. Um, man, if Demarius Thomas was healthy with Leo Sanders ruled out, that would be somewhere I would want to go. He had an MRI on his leg, which revealed a bruise, but it was bad enough that he was limping around and he was limited in practice all week. Um, Do you feel comfortable with Demarius Thomas, even in a relatively tough matchup against the Chargers, given that I think his target projection is in the 9, 10, 11 range with Manny Sanders out?
2: Yeah, and I think that the Broncos will revert to a run-heavy offense here too. If the Chargers take the Giants blueprint, what the Giants basically did last week was they just loaded up the box and played man coverage on the outside and absolutely forced Trevor Simeon to throw the ball. If the Chargers do that, knowing that their weak spot is the run game and that that's what the Broncos want to do, then the Broncos will have to take to the air. It's still an if I can't just lock Demarius in for 10 targets. um, But I think we can lock him in for, eight targets in a tough matchup with Casey Hayward. So if he sees eight targets, he probably doesn't pay off. I mean, would you agree? But if he sees 12 targets, he probably pays off pretty easily. So I think it's a little bit of a guessing game. I I like Pierre Garcon more at the same price. Um, I don't, we've talked about this before. I don't love targeting perimeter receivers against the Cowboys. Uh, As much talent as they lack, their scheme is just completely designed to push targets to the middle of the field. But Garcon's route tree is a lot of slants, a lot of uh, short crossers, basically a lot of slot-type slot receiver routes. So I think that Garcon's an excellent play. Um, he's the closest to a lock for me in that price range. Demarius is next, then probably Devonte Adams, and then Richard Matthews after all of them. What's your take on Richard Matthews' chalk this week?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if Rashard Matthews is up chalk just because his game log isn't that strong, but um... – but yeah, he's for sure uh, a good play. I think way more efficient than people realize. He hasn't seen enough volume and he might see Jason McCourty in shadow coverage if if Jason McCordy can play. Um, I assume that would be a concern for you. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wish Demarius was healthy. I think I would feel better about it if Demarius, if I knew his leg was healthy. I agree with you on Garcon. The problem is I love George Kittle so much. I don't want to have two 49ers uh, without Beathard. You know what I mean? So Uh, I don't know, man, Garcon and Kittle together, what could go wrong? Um,
2: I mean, where else are the targets going on that team though? I know. I mean, if we look at Garcon, he had a tough game. Well, not even a tough game, 14.1 points against a good Carolina pass defense. Then he faced Seattle. He faced Patrick Peterson. Uh, He faced a Redskins defense that shuts down perimeter wide receivers. I think second fewest wide receiver receptions allowed. And then he had a great game against Indianapolis, great game against the Rams. So, you know, in these non-awful matchups, I think that we can lock him in for high effectiveness. He's going to see eight to ten targets at minimum, um, and I think it'll be tough for the Cowboys to defend him much. So I, I think that it's fine at his price to put him and Kittle both in because that's where the offense is flowing. But um, I certainly understand the concern.
1: Uh, okay, we mentioned Demarius. We have uh, Benny Fowler, I expect, to play the vast majority of snaps. It's not a great matchup against Trevor Williams, but in three wide sets, I think we will see Benny Fowler move into the slot, which is the best matchup when you're facing the Chargers in the past game. Benny Fowler is 3,300. I have serious talent concerns with Benny Fowler. Um, I played him in preseason before and often left disappointed. Jordan Taylor has left me happier uh, coming out of preseason games. Uh, Benny Fowler doesn't strike me as your kind of guy, but at 3,300, are you interested at all?
2: Yeah, I was about to ask. Uh, what about hashtag preseason Jordan Taylor?
1: Yeah, you have I'm afraid. Him? I'm afraid they're going to go 12 a lot and just play Hewerman and Derby. You know, like like you said, I think they try to go really run heavy, and if they do that, then we might not see enough three wide sets for Jordan to play.
2: Yeah, I, I think Fowler is a fine play. I have a hard time uh, clearing out like a way for him to get north of. 10 or 11 points so if we talk a point per dollar then yeah he's strong I have a really hard time seeing him pay off in a big way I think Robert Woods with we don't need to get into it too much I'm sure it's been talked about everywhere but with Patrick Peterson on Sammy Watkins I think Robert Woods has a higher ceiling for just a little bit more Uh, I think Cooper Cup probably even has a slightly higher ceiling than Benny Fowler uh, I think Eric Decker has a higher ceiling than Benny Fowler. So I like those guys more. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with Fowler, but I'd rather go to these other guys.
1: Yeah, I want to get your take on Decker because he for sure has an awesome matchup. If McCordy plays, Decker uh, should avoid him mostly. And we know that, um, you know, with Delaney limited too. possibly if Delaney plays, I mean, this is shaping up really nicely for Decker. My concern is that he's completely done, but he looked reasonably spry uh, last week. Like, what's your take on Decker?
2: I, so it's one of those situations, kind of like LaShawn McCoy, when everyone's on something for the wrong reasons, my natural inclination is to fade. So the because the Browns allow so much production to quarterbacks, everyone assumes that means they allow production to wide receiver. They're facing the fewest targets per game in the NFL to wide receivers. Um, they're not facing many targets to running backs. Everything against the Browns is flowing through the tight end. Um, that's why quarterbacks are smashing them. High efficiency and a lot of targets to tight ends. That could change if McCourty is out. But, um, but yeah, so, I, like, I'm not on Richard Matthews if McCourty's in there. Decker, like you said, he'll be in the slot more. I think that he's totally viable. I don't think that he's a lock. So it won't surprise me if he has a 15- or 20-point game. He's still seeing red zone targets. You know, the, the Titans are using him down there. He's not a lock, uh, but it won't surprise me if he has 15 or 20 points. It also won't surprise me if he has seven or eight points this week.
1: Uh, One of the last guys I wanted to ask you about, if we get news that Jordan Matthews is going to play, this looks like an awesome spot for him with Charles Clay out with Andre Holmes uh, slash Zay Jones inept and facing the team that gives up the most fantasy points to wide receivers in the entire league and gets smashed by slot receivers. As well, it looks like a great spot for Jordan Matthews. He should be in shape. It was only uh, thumb surgery and he's only 3,700. I'm not sure he's going to play, but if he does, uh, how do you feel about J Matt?
2: Yeah, he said t- or he practiced fully today, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, but, of course, I think-
2: that, that implies that he was catching passes, which is not necessarily right. a guarantee, but. Uh, Yeah, no, I love Jordan Matthews at that price tag in this matchup. I think that's the place to go through the air against the Bucs. Jordan Matthews, the only other guys that we didn't touch on are John Brown. I think he's still viable this week in tournaments. And Alan Hearns, if Marquise Lee is out this week. Blake Bortles has thrown, surprisingly, thrown 30-plus pass attempts in four games already this year. So as much as they want to hide him, it won't surprise me. if if Hearn sees eight or nine targets, if Marquise Lee is out. Uh,
1: all right. I think this is a really strong week for tight ends. Maybe I'm out of my mind, but I love so many tight ends this week. I'm tempted to play two. The um, the, the problem is like opportunity costs. If we get some of these uh, cheap running backs, um, then maybe I won't be able to play two tight ends, but I think there's some awesome plays at tight end. And I'll start with George Kittle, who is just like this athletic freak playing uh, a huge role, has a huge red zone role, um, has a huge role inside the 10-yard line, such a good athlete in a really um, game that should be a shootout. And now he gets C.J. Beathard in there, who he spent all four years of his career at Iowa with. Uh, mentioned on my podcast, they likely showered together, which has to be a bonding experience. I mean, after that, how can you not throw the football? The guy, so 3600, I believe that George Kittle.
2: This is what what my life is coming (laughs) to. This is my Friday night at
1: 3600. Given the shower narrative, how can you not like George Kittle? Jam,
2: I hadn't even thought of the shower narrative. I'm embarrassed to say, George Kittle. Uh, yeah, so if if running back value does not open up. I think that the sharpest way to go this week is two tight ends. And there's this like aversion in the DFS industry to playing two tight ends together. But we've talked about this before. If you compare the prices of these tight ends and their targets and their red zone usage, you compare that to guys like Cooper cup and Benny Fowler, you're getting so much more bang for your buck here. It's the mistake I made last week when I, I didn't play Jarek McKinnon because I didn't think he'd get goal line work, but I still played whoever I played at 4K at wide receiver, uh, Jameson Crowder, who, you know, even though McKinnon, I didn't predict him for goal line work, I still should have predicted him for more points than Jameson Crowder. It's the same situation here. People are going to want to pay for one of these, pay down for one of these wide receivers and these tight ends are all better plays. Um, Love George Kittle. He's near the top of my list. Uh, love Jonas Smith if Delaney Walker is out. I think that Delaney Walker, even at 5,800, is underpriced if he plays. Jimmy Graham is underpriced in a tremendous matchup against the Giants. Austin fair and Jenkins is fairly priced, but should still have a clear path to 14-plus points. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to like the position. Hunter Henry in tournaments. His, I think he was at an 83% snap rate last week. Evan Ingram with nobody else to throw to on the Giants. I like. It wouldn't surprise me if all of these guys score 15-plus points. Um, I will mention Kyle Rudolph, who I know a lot of people will like. The Ravens have allowed five touchdowns to tight ends. I believe they've allowed uh, one reception in the red zone to tight ends. So it's been a lot of long touchdowns. Kyle Rudolph, that's not really his game. So I'm less interested in Rudolph than in a lot of these other guys. The Ravens are 24th, I believe, in receptions allowed to tight end. So it's more the touchdowns, the long touchdowns, than anything which is not Rudolph's game. But all these other guys that people are talking about, I I like them a ton. I'll probably have two tight ends this week.
1: Yeah, I think similar story for Hunter Henry and Jimmy Graham. It's really hard to attack the perimeter on the Seahawks and the Broncos, so teams look to the inside. And when that, like, why not? When you have Hunter Henry, who's now playing eighty three percent of the snaps, as Jam mentioned, then you have uh, Evan Ingram, who is for sure the best pass catching option for the Giants right now. So I think those are both awesome plays. Um, Jimmy Graham uh, as well. We know about the Giants. I tweeted out today. Giants have given up. A touchdown to every single tight end they faced this year, just getting absolutely destroyed by tight ends. And Jimmy Graham, who I think at times like has a bunch of nicks, now appears really healthy. Um, if you want to go off the board and punt, Nick O'Leary with Charles Clay out has been playing a ton. Um, caught five balls his last game. Like, there's so many ways you can go at tight end. Um, Martellus Bennett has struggled so much, but his price is down to 3,300, which is just absurd. Um, if you think Hundley's going to play well, so. I don't know, man. There's so many tight ends. Like,
2: what are you? What are your thoughts on? on tight end? What are your thoughts on Jonu if Delaney's out?
1: Oh God, he's twenty six hundred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about him to be honest. I know uh, hashtag draft Twitter it likes him a lot, and I believe he played pretty well in the preseason. I don't remember rostering him in the preseason, but maybe I. I kind of remember like regretting not rostering him once in the preseason. So
2: I wonder if we could get. Um, jefe on the horn with delaney walker and find out if uh
1: yeah he if, lives in his building right lives in his
2: building you know last year uh jefe was homeless and now all of a sudden he leaves our show and he's living in the same building as delaney walker so big ups to Hefe for moving up in the world
1: yeah i will say a limited delaney walker who hasn't topped eight dk points since week one uh at 5800 i don't think i would play him um
2: i definitely would
1: yeah All right. Well, one of us will be sleeping in a dumpster. We'll see who it is. Uh, All right. We only have a few minutes left here. Let's move to defense. Um, There is kind of a lot of mediocre plays, I think, at defense this week. Nothing has really jumped out to me a ton. I think my favorite cheap play is the Chargers with the Broncos uh, down two of their right tackles and having Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa for the pass rush, no Emmanuel Sanders uh, playing at home, which – actually it doesn't make a difference probably for the Chargers considering it's a 24,000 person soccer stadium that will be filled with Broncos fans but are the Chargers are my favorite cheap option did you have a favorite sub 3k option
2: yeah the uh, i'm going to read you my list you ready for this this is my defense list bills vikings seahawks jaguars panthers cowboys titans steelers saints colts chargers bears rams like every there's so many low totals this week there's so many mistake prone quarterbacks um yeah I like I like the Chargers a lot I like the Bears down cheap as well just for the fact that they're a defense everyone overlooks uh Cam can make mistakes he can take sacks I like the Rams for 2600 against Carson Palmer who obviously takes a lot of sacks and is good for an interception or two Uh, and then you've got teams like the Titans um that we wouldn't normally target For defense, but they're playing Deshaun Kaiser, who's good for some interceptions. The Panthers on the road against uh, Mitchell Trubisky, good for some interceptions. The Jaguars are going to go overlooked because of how high-priced they are. And they're on the road, but they are taking on Jacoby Brissett. And the Jaguars have double-digit points in all but two games this year. Um, There's just a lot to like at defense and nothing that stood out to me yet as a must-play. So last week it was, I was on the Ravens all week. And then the $300 made a big difference for me to be able to move down to the Redskins. So I shot myself in the foot with that. Um, this week there's nothing I feel like I'll shoot myself in the foot where it's like, Oh, this play is such a lock and I'm moving off of it. I I mean, I'd be comfortable with any of those teams I named.
1: Yeah. Um, after last week where like you needed the Texans or the Ravens or the Saints to win anything people are going to be like prioritizing defense this week and I think we'll see more people like try to pay up and and try to like put an emphasis on it you know but like anybody who says you know like oh I I knew the Ravens were going to score 20 or like I knew the Saints were going to score 30 like they're just talking out of their ass like um you can make good plays in the defense and be happy with like seven is like your expectation you know what I mean so um, I will be making defense my last selection, I think, in my lineup this week. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, just a few minutes left, JM. The people need some stacks. Uh, why don't you give them either a conventional or a contrarian stack?
2: Uh, I'm going to go in tournaments Marcus Mariota and stack him with Jonu Smith, assuming Delaney Walker's out. Uh, if Delaney Walker is healthy now if he just plays I don't want to play him but if they're saying he's healthy he's faced a lot of double coverage this year he's been a priority for opponents that's not Greg Williams scheme with the Browns uh, Delaney is going to be running free in the middle of the field so I really like a Mariota Delaney stack in tournaments as well if Delaney is healthy
1: uh, for my contrarian stack I will go with the one I talked about in my article today paying him to be contrarian with Drew Brees at 7,600 off that really awful game script last week and pairing him with Alvin Kamara. I think a lot of people who play Drew Brees are going to pair him with Michael Thomas. That gets pricey with Brees at 7,600 and Thomas at 75. By pairing him with Kamara and maybe throwing Ted Ginn in, you can get uh, some cheaper exposure. And although Kevin King and Devon House will likely be back for the Packers, I still think that is a secondary that you can pick on. So uh, Alvin Kamara, to me, is a guy they really want to get going, couldn't happen last week due to game script, but this could be a better spot for Kamara to get going and playing him with Breeze, I think is kind of a unique play that maybe other people won't make.
2: Uh, all right, I'm gonna give you what I think is the winning Millie Maker stack. Oh I won't be playing it this week because I'll be at uh, my wife's 10K and camping in a bunch of teams. Uh, throw in like five players from the 49ers and Cowboys game. I think you can go Bethard uh, or Dak, you can go Zeke, Des, Garcon, Kittle, Hyde. Um, it wouldn't, you know, we see these Thursday night games every once in a while on these small slates where people do the, the dumb thing and load up on four or five guys and all of them score 18 plus points. Um, with how narrow the distribution of usage is on these two teams, it wouldn't surprise me if we see something like that where you could use four or five guys and they all score north of 18 with some of them hitting 25 or more.
1: All right. For the conventional stack, I will give um, Hunley, who I expect to be a reasonable chalk, not as high on this Tyrod. I think Tyrod will have significantly more ownership than Hunley, but I will go with Hunley and Jordy Nelson. Maybe that won't be chalky, but I mean, Jordy Nelson is too talented to be uh, 6,800. And I know the matchup with the Saints is getting more difficult, but I still don't think it is necessarily an impossible matchup, especially for someone who gets so much red zone usage as Jordy Nelson. So uh, I think Hunley and Jordy is really interesting to me. And then you're also able to bring it back with uh, some of the saints plays that we talked about as well. All right. That is going to do it for the week seven edition of the quote unquote expert round table, AKA the square table for Jerry for JM. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.